0: Are we doing what is code review, or what to do during code review? Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Both? Yeah, yes. Okay. Uh, we, we can start. We chat five minutes, go.
1: <laughs> we can start, well, I was gonna say we start the same way as last time. We kind of define it, and then the what and the why, and then we can kind of go over each other's opinions on it. Okay.
0: So,
2: go for it. I went first last time.
0: Justin, it's your turn.
2: Okay, am I doing the what and the why? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see if I can find a quick definition. <laughs> I like a more specific one. I have one I pulled straight from Wiki if you want me to That's do exactly that what I just pulled up, yeah. Go ahead, go, go ahead and do
1: your one. Okay, well, I copy pasted this from Wiki. It says Code review is a systematic examination of computer source code, it is intended to find mistakes overlooked in software development improving the overall quality of software. Um, so basically looking over the code and checking for mistakes, and that should in the end, give you better software, is the layman's terms of that. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, so, and that's something I would add to that is there's four types of coding review. There's, uh, at least in my research, there's four types of coding review that I found which was um, you review in like a formal process where everyone on the team gets together and um, basically reviews the code as a group. Then there's post commit, which is after you check it in or commit it to the source code. Um, Then there's pre commit, which is kind of in the Git world would be like a pull request. Someone has to review it before it gets merged into the, development branch or master branch and then there's some hybrid code review which is kind of a combination of some of those where you pick and choose kind of when to do which
0: one so we're talking about code review outside the context of you've got a somebody who's new to programming or new to the project we're not talking about using code review as a training exercise we're using it as code cleanliness like, you could use code review in both scenarios, but we're just focusing on the latter scenario where we're focusing on, let's keep this project clean. Right? And For me,
1: I think it's it includes both. I don't think we leave one up. Because I think you get that the teaching new, uh, new or less experienced developers by doing code review.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just framing the conversation we're going to have.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, in my notes, it was kind of, it was, it was a key point. Basically, it's one of the benefits of code review is you you get to mentor people. So like, it's not completely useful for a junior developer to code review a senior developers um, code check in. I think it's beneficial to the junior developer to look and see how this senior developers attacked a, a problem and came up with a solution. And it's a chance for
2: them to ask questions and be like, "Hey, why'd you do it that way? I would have never thought to do it that
1: way." You
2: know. Do you think that happens in the code review? Because I feel like a junior developer is going to have those experiences through the process of going through whatever you know section of code he's working on at the time. He's going to see the way things have already been taken care of, and then when a senior developer reviews his and then says, "Hey, you know, you could have done it this way or that way," they. I mean, they're kind of learning after the fact, but. You, I mean, you learn both ways while they're writing. Yeah, you learn both ways,
1: but I think, um, yeah, I think you learn both ways on being the reviewer and being the reviewee. That makes sense. Yeah. So. All right. So we do want to go over the why now we kind of already touched on it. Okay you can you can do this one justin since i stole your what
2: yes you stole my what <laughs> uh well we went over why a little but i mean realistically why is so that senior developers can give uh you know tips and 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 uh, maybe a better understanding of how to solve a certain problem this is after the fact but maybe point them in a different direction than what they originally uh, coded uh it could also be Um, I had another one, and I literally just forgot it. Um, oh, and and, you know, being able to spot maybe errors that they didn't initially spot when they wrote the code, or a different flow pattern that they hadn't thought about, different use cases they hadn't thought about, um, just kind of. So, like spotting bugs, basically before well, spotting bugs, or you can consider it bugs, but just oversights,
0: right. I'd read a okay. few um, lines that were saying some other reasons for doing code review is watch, as the reviewer, watch for um, really confusing code and really obfuscated code. It might be a sign that like you've got something potentially malicious going on. Like if you've got a um, an open source or an, a public repo and somebody puts in a pull request that you can't parse, I mean... I feel like you could parse this, but maybe they're trying to put a, a crypto miner in your code. Um, so checking for malicious code. Um, that's a good
1: point. I never even thought of that. That was I, I think whenever I approached this, uh, researching this, I kind of approached it from the mindset of how it applies to our team. Um, that's something that wouldn't apply in our team and most private small teams. I mean, it, I guess it kind of could. Yeah, if you got a new guy. Maybe, yeah, maybe someone wants is malicious and wants to put in some kind of backdoor and
2: yeah, or they're they about do to do it, and so yeah, last check in, they're like, oh, I'll teach them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's a
0: good point though. Um, and then uh, more along Justin's point, um, where you're looking for bugs and just different ways to do things. i um, looking for security concerns that aren't. Maybe considered when you're implementing like the functional requirements. So you've got the functional requirements working. There's no quote bugs, but maybe um, you've allowed for there the the code being reviewed allows for SQL injection or cross-site request forgery. Um, those are things that you might miss if you're not used to coding for them. Yeah, and that wouldn't be in the standard, the coding standard, like. Don't allow SQL injection. That's just right. That's practiced. too specific. Yeah,
2: yeah. You guys don't let. Uh, you guys don't allow SQL injection. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my, my last job did. Yeah, my last job it was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. so So um, I have a few that
1: I'll add. Um, so I think a, a big benefit is not one person knows a specific part of the code. Not uh, one person isn't gonna be the owner. Of a of a siloed part of the code, basically, there's in a critical path. So if team member X gets hit by a bus on Monday, on Tuesday, we can still continue to develop the product, like
2: nothing happened, no remorse. The next day, everybody's trackable. No remorse. We just <laughs> continue to work. Yeah, and, and nothing will have happened. Perfect. We'll put a card in Trello.
0: Learn what <laughs> Justin did. <laughs>
1: um so yeah that's one benefit uh the other one would be um it makes estimate stronger so like in an agile type of environment or oriented team you would uh be able to estimate estimate user stories better because more developers qa people or i guess not qa people more developers would know about different parts of the code and know it would take the the caveats that might come up when Doing or implementing a user story so they can more confidently and more um, reliably estimate how long it might take to do a certain user story
0: um, uh, if I want to get if I can give an example of that, I would say if you're messing with all this um, <laughs> font stuff like downloading fonts to players and devices and messing with the font library that's something recent and specific that Justin, I don't know if you did much with the font stuff, but you'd have to go learn all that from scratch versus I, I didn't Siva or Tim.
2: And then took it back out.
0: <laughs>
2: That's how much I did. So you know none of the code, basically, for fonts. I know I know what fonts go in there. That's about it. Yeah, so... You could
0: code it, but had, be
1: able
2: to estimate new work.
1: There's right going to be a big ramp up if you ever have to go in to fix a bug right. or add a feature to fonts.
2: Yeah, if I got a bug assigned to me, I'd be a little nervous at first.
1: You're gonna you're gonna have to go ask either me, Siva, or Tim, and if all three of us get hit by a bus, you're out of luck. <laughs> so,
0: Omar, you started by saying that it would help us estimate um new stuff, but then we also just said it would reduce um the time it takes to code stuff. So if you were well versed in font library stuff, you wouldn't have to go ramp up. You could just almost start coding immediately. Yeah and so you'd you'd be better at um what was, it was the, cut the time thing. of implementation,
1: yeah. basically?
0: Yeah. Ramp
2: up time. Yeah. If you're looking at code review from not necessarily immediately after check-in, but I think there was another one of the four you you had said was kind of a a full functional. This is the entire feature implementation. Um, if you think of code review from that aspect, kind of like a lunch and learn, like we did, where you just talk the entire subject and endpoints specifically to code. Um, that's a really nice feature to be able to sit down as a group instead of just one-on-one code review, but do an entire feature discussion. Because if you do a code review one-on-one, one person gets a little more knowledge. You know, if you're if you're working on bugs or if you're working on like a really small change, yeah. only one, you know, maybe only one person needs to see that. But in a full feature development where one person might be checking it over and over again, but once the entire feature is done, Everybody will have uh, uh, just a you know one percent of the feature, and a full review might be necessary. Yeah,
1: so that's the um, one of the points that came up in my research was um, wow, I just forgot it. Edit. <laughs> um, Jeez, uh, what was it
2: about?
0: What were you saying?
2: (laughs) Completely blank. Full feature changes. And maybe one individual is doing the code review for most of that. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Got it. Came to me.
1: So as if you have, um, or a lot of people suggested having more than one code reviewer. Mm -hmm. Not only does that cut down on the bottleneck, so you don't have, you're not waiting on one person to say this code check-in is good, move along. You have two people looking at it that can one person can possibly say, yeah, it's good, go ahead, while the other one might be busy or something. And then you have multiple people looking at one code check-in.
2: Oh, so it's, in that case, it's the first person who can get to it?
1: Uh, yeah, kind of.
2: Um,
1: and so the suggestion was not to go more than two. Like, it was very, like, Basically, two or one. Don't go over two because then you have too many cooks in the kitchen, basically, and um, it, it can be less productive. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so, another one of the whys that I had, the last one I have, is uh, peer pressure. So, peer pressure actually is good in this instance. Uh, so, when you're writing the code, you're you know another developer is going to be looking at your code, so you kind of have this pressure to look things over a little bit more carefully, be a little bit, uh, scrutinize your code a little bit more right before you check in, or remember to run the unit test before you check it in, uh, that kind of thing. So the peer pressure in this instance is is a good thing and a benefit.
2: Okay, that makes sense. Where's the threshold for? Let's say you're in a in a position like us, where I guess we technically have two senior developers out of the, out of all of us, and so the bottleneck on code review, granted we don't do yet, but that that bottleneck on code review could be pretty heavy when we're you know close to release in moments like like you know this past week or past two weeks, When we're close to release and you end up getting a senior developer doing almost more code review than feature work. Yeah, so
1: almost the rest of my notes are questions. <laughs> okay. And that's that's one of the big questions that I actually asked in three or four different ways is when should it happen? Uh, how do you choose who does it? How long do you wait to to say, hey, get this done? How Like how much time do you give them basically to...
2: To Where's say, the priority on a on a rejected code review versus a new bug? Is that what you're right.
1: Talking?
0: Okay.
1: Right, and um, and, and I think the win is kind of a big thing too, and and on top of that is what should code review like? Do you code review everything, or do you only cover code review user stories after they're fully implemented? Big features, you code review every single bug. I feel like the bigger the like scope the of the line. feature
0: or the requirement, you might want to do code review almost halfway through you're done with the requirement. So if it's a massive feature, you don't want to completely finish it and then do a code review with somebody and then they say, no, this is fundamentally wrong. Like Go change half the stuff you wrote. But um, if you're
2: halfway done with a massive feature, if you're halfway done or you're fully done, making a change to the base implementation is changing the entire feature. So it, to me, the bigger the feature, the more often you're code reviewing. Yeah. If it's a bug fix, maybe nobody needs to look at it, or maybe one person can just go, yep, cool, that probably mm-hmm. fixes the bug. But if it's a huge feature, almost every like block you're checking in should have a review for, for multiple reasons. You know, one that way you're not you know if it's a massive feature like what i'm working on right now halfway through is like two that could be like two thousand lines of code and that's a ton to have to wait to code review all at once and so doing that you know i make a change to one file okay let's talk about this and what and why this is changing and which direction i'm going with this and Mm. kind of taking it you know a building block at a time
0: and that would give the reviewer some time to like sit on things that you just sh- showed that person. Um, and and they keep getting their memory refreshed every time you do this review. Like, oh, I remember Justin, you did this block last time. Okay, that, and that's cohesive with this new block that you're showing me today. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. Yeah, I said halfway, just kind of arbitrarily. Sure. I'm just saying incremental code review so you can course correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in, in my mind, it's the bigger the feature... The more often yeah I, I think for our
1: team specifically maybe a hybrid approach is is the better way it's kind of case by case because not every work item or user story is the same some are these huge user stories that are and there's different type of types of big user stories there's like big ones that are brand new that are like Going to be almost completely brand new code. There's some that are really big that actually aren't new. They're just modifying a lot of different things. They're touching a lot of different things. Uh, I think each one of those needs to be handled differently. Like the, like uh, I guess with the more concrete example, say the one where it's brand new code. That one you might want to check in incremental be better about checking in small chunks of code because you can kind of get away with that you can kind of uh, uh, scaffold out like what you're gonna do at a high level and not actually do the implementation details kind of do like some interfaces and some classes what you what you your design is up front and then have that code reviewed and then continue to work on it actually do some more implementation details whereas on a one that like cut touches more existing code and isn't a brand new feature, but it's like modifying the way things work. Maybe in that one, you're going to have to kind of wait for all of it to get done because you can't really scaffold it or yeah. That makes sense.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And one, like what I'm working on, it's it's almost, I guess I could check it in in blocks and I guess it kind of, it, 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 it almost forces you to design the new changes especially if you're checking in in blocks so that each section can work independently it, so you know if any one change doesn't break a different section whereas like you said when you're doing a whole new feature you can see the scaffolding and it's 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 kind of, it's forcing you to make incremental check-ins on a regular basis and you don't end up with just oh, oh all of a sudden here's 5000 you know
1: yeah, and I think this is kind of a. It's not really a, uh, a. It might be a problem just with our developers that we don't like to check in things incrementally, but I think it's more of a, the source control and the tools that we're using, because in TFS and the way we, our application lifecycle works, it's it's not as easy for someone that's working on a big feature to check in incrementally because each time you check in that change set gets put into a test build if someone else is ready for a test build and you're you aren't ready for it. So you have to be like really sure that your small check-in's not gonna break the build for someone else or break the test build for somewhere else. Right. Whereas once we switch to Git and we do kind of feature branch feature branching, you can have a feature branch where you're incrementally checking in you can have I can say like hey Justin check out my feature branch can you do a code review you could actually do a build off that feature branch and someone working off the development branch or doing a test build off the development branch it has no effect on them That'll be nice. and I can still and I can still stay up to de- up to date with the development branch like say someone else that is working on a bug fix or a feature and they finish before, I finish. I can pull in their changes into my branch, and I'm still up to date with the development branch. But I'm not breaking the development branch.
2: That's nice. That'll be nice.
1: Yeah, or not introducing bugs that aren't that aren't completely fleshed out or done. So I think in our case, it's it's due to the tools and our source control.
2: Yeah, and yeah. we don't have code reviews, so
0: that too. <laughs> I put some of my automation stuff in Git recently, and <laughs> what was that? I was trying to turn on a lamp, but it's like really bright. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing pull requests and and, and forking and branching um, with the, this project and other guys on the QA team.
1: Yeah, I think once once we move to Git, it'll be a lot of this will be a lot easier to implement and start doing.
0: Um, do you have an opinion on the the specific opinion that you don't even know yet? Um, on, so you have a repo in, in Git, you're the owner slash maintainer. There's an option to where you can allow pull requests to be merged based on like a democratic process where like you require one or two or X people to approve the pull request versus only you, the owner slash maintainer can approve the pull request. In in your guys' like development T D S context, would you choose one or the other?
1: Well, it would be I think it would be specific to branch to each branch. Uh, thinking off the top of my head, I would actually use both. I'd say on master, you would have a handful of people, say the manager or one or two people basically that have control on merging things into the master branch and then the development branch, it could be more of a democratic type of uh, once you have two code reviews or one code review, merge it in. it's good. So And still- then on, on the feature branches, whoever creates the feature branch owns that, and they can do whatever they want with it.
0: Okay, but then the pull request back into the, the dev branch still needs those two reviewers.
1: Or whatever you specify, whatever your process is. Uh, in our case, probably one would be sufficient.
0: Okay. Um, so do you kind of see it? in this Git scenario, us ever having like a backlog of pull requests into the dev branch?
1: Yeah, that, that's that bottleneck I was talking about. And I think Justin brought up um, that that's a really big um, problem with with uh, code review and something that I think will make the acceptance of code review. And maybe Justin, this is probably what hasn't made it easy to get code review up until this point is because code review does take some time. It like waiting for someone to review the code before you can actually merge it into a branch or go forward with it and do a test build.
2: Yeah, I, I think now that I now that I kind of I guess hear somebody else ask my question, another thing that I read today was the use of automated code review—I think we talked a little bit about it last week—in the uh, software that kind of does some initial checks for you, and that helps reduce, you know, the 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 per, you know the, the developer's time reviewing by a significant portion. So it would be a help to that would be automating the process as much as possible.
0: But yeah, you're, you're running that before you um, enter the pull request, right? I would think as you like
2: make the check-in as you commit the first time, I think it would run, I don't know how it'd work on a, on a Git server on TFS. I just think is you know, as soon as you make the check-in, you would probably run it and then reject it immediately.
1: I think it it might be a a, a specific to, to team because like I said, there's those different types of code reviews. Like when do you do the code review before you commit, um, after you commit or, um, after you commit committed and it's in a build and someone's actually tested it. Uh, so there's there's different types. And, and then there's a hybrid. I think we'd fall into the hybrid where it's kind of a case-by-case,
2: case-by-case uh, case case thing. Another reason we don't have code review is, well, another thing we talked about last week, which is the legacy code is so ridiculously big anything we try to implement for a standard would be, you know, a pin drop in a well. So no. it, we'd have to do it on one of the newer projects. And even then it's kind of after the fact. So you know, we're retrofitting it a little. Yeah. Um so oh
1: so this is a kind of a cool little note that I I found in one of the articles. I'll just read it. Um, There was a study documented the number of hours it took to fix a bug that is found at different phases in the application lifecycle. They showed that a bug introduced at the coding phase but discovered in production took an average of 14.8 hours to fix, but it found during the coding stage it took three and a half hours. So I thought that was a pretty cool um, uh, study that basically showed how coding review actually saves time in the long run. Um, so basically, without the coding review process, you have the possibility of bugs to get through that that might make it through the QA testing that won't be found in QA because it's kind of a uh, you know one of those weird bugs that you can't really just make yes. happen in your yeah in your normal testing. But in code review, someone could probably spot it or might be able to spot it a little bit easier. And then it's a lot easier to to fix in the development stage versus out in production. Then you have to like, even if, if the actual developer who originally wrote the code where the bug exists goes and look at it, they have to do a revamp basically oh. and like relearn what they wrote and say, and why did I do that? that versus okay. when they just freshly wrote it, they're like, oh. I know exactly what I was doing.
2: Not to mention the amount of, you know, extra layers of other people's code that have gone in by the time a production build is caught. You know, yeah. may not, what you wrote may not even be the same. Yeah, exactly. I can see that, that. I wasn't sure how 14 hours made sense. But, and you have to cut a maintenance build and you maybe you have to go update a production server. <laughs> yeah, you know, like there
1: might so be- it, it, just, it just keeps stacking on,
0: that number could probably be even bigger for some in some cases. It takes two years for the customer to upgrade to the new version. So you don't find it. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't find it until that version of .NET is
2: actually out of date. So then you yeah. have to go update that.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting to run those numbers on our our projects. Nope. Uh, nope. Um,
0: um, I found an article online. Um it's a looks like a blog post by SmartBear. I used to use some of their automated testing software. Um, they give some tips for good code review. Um, if you don't mind, I'll just share a few. So one of them, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll give you the link. Um, don't review more than 400 lines of code in a single session, and don't review for more than an hour at a time, because at some point, your, your brain just turns off. Um, the, the last lines of code you're reviewing are not going to be as well-reviewed as those first few lines of code. Um,
2: I feel like if, just to stop you there, I feel like if you're reviewing something that takes an hour to review. You should be able to know right away. Like, that's way too
1: much spread out code because it's yeah. probably not all in one file. It's probably multiple files. Yeah. yeah, my first response is, oh, this should have been multiple check-ins. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm not going to look at that, basically. Yeah, Yeah. Well, that's like super lines. I, would, I click so on the link and see, like, how much the diff on it and be like, nope. Be like, eh, hey, hey, looks, looks
2: good. Send it
1: yeah, um, I think I think that goes with I think one of the notes that we had earlier, which was try to keep your check-ins smaller, more succinct, and more frequently. Right, but small. But, can but be we involved. can't do that very well right now, or our tools don't allow us to do that very easily right now.
0: Um, some other items are use checklists, so. Maybe things you frequently find during code reviews that are not in the standard, so um, SQL injection, et cetera, the stuff we went over before, um, the obfuscation stuff, I mean, you're not always going to look for that, but it's nice to just see the one bullet, and you just spend five seconds looking at the bullet, reminding yourself of it. Um, I think that's where the
1: coding standard comes in handy, too.
0: Yeah. Uh, comment the code before review. So I guess Omar and Justin, if you guys are working on this large project, if you're not already adding comments while you're coding and it's two days later since you've written the code, I could go back and try and add comments before you do the review so you're not spending or wasting time for the you, uh, you as the author trying to remember what the code does. Yeah, unless you've got some comments established in your standard,
2: which makes sense. And that's what that's kind of how I feel about some of these points is that if you're running into some of these issues, your your standards, you probably should update your coding standard. Yeah. Capture this so that you don't continue to see these problems.
1: Well, that that's probably a good point to have it on the code review checklist though, is so that you can say, "Hey, you need to say why you did that because it's not very clear." So once you start doing that to a developer that continues to do that to a developer that isn't commenting very well or isn't making code clearly enough, eventually hope, the hope is that with code review, they'll get better about it and start. So I think that's good to have on a checklist.
0: It could be as simple as just saying review. If you implement contracts, just go back and say, review your contracts. Cause sometimes you'll write a contract, write code, find a defect, fix the code, but not to go back and update the contract or the comments.
1: Yeah, something I'll add on that is I think not only should you have good comments, but good commit messages. Uh, I think uh, for the most part, I think our team does pretty well with commit messages. It was just one of the things that came up in the articles was uh, make sure to write good commit messages. Like an uh, example of a bad one is uh, Make compile again versus add XYZ dependency to fix the um, WT compilation. So kind of say what you're doing instead of saying what the result's going to be.
2: I am confident there's a work item checked in to TFS where the check-in message was make compile again.
1: Yeah, that's why I said for the most part we're, we're good about this, but there's definitely plenty of check-ins I see that <laughs> come through with those. I, I, fact, I think I did.
2: it in and said Omar had a problem with this, so I went and fixed it, and then you commented to me about <laughs> the fact that I had said that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> was, I had one more,
1: and I can't remember. It, it went along with the um, comment messages. It was about how to Oh, no, it was about giving code review or giving, like, when you're saying, when you're giving, I guess, uh, feedback to the reviewee, you should give the feedback in a suggestion form, not a do this or make a decision on it. You should say, like, uh, you should phrase it in a
2: suggestive way suggestion i'm gonna deny this and what i think you should do is going <laughs> make a few changes yeah but if you send it back without these changes i'm gonna
1: deny it again so and, and a little bit more background on that is you want to give your developers um the the freedom to to choose like you want to you don't want to tie your developer's hands too much. You want to give them um, freedom. Yeah. Some freedom basically Uh, that, that doesn't mean like if they're breaking rules in the coding standard, those should be suggestions. Those should be hard. Like, no, there's a coding standard abide by it. But I'm, I'm talking more of the, the, you should refactor this or you should think about using a, a factory here, or a singleton, or don't use a singleton, things like that, where it's kind of more subjective, like, give those in the form of a suggestion.
2: You're still giving them the opportunity to go learn if you're s- suggesting it. Instead yeah. of saying, oh, this line right here should be, or this should be for each, why are you doing it this way? Yeah, instead and I think
1: Jack like- said it, right? Like, it, It's the freedom, like, you want to give your developers freedom, you don't... it Because that... It, it just cultivates a good culture where you, you, you bring in better er, developers, which I don't, we don't have a big problem with that because we don't bring in new developers that often. But you're going to push away good developers if you tie their hands and say, like, you have to do this if a code reviewer told you to do this. So,
0: yeah. Um, if you were doing a peer review, like, you're both developers at the same level Same grade, and you can't decide. You can't agree on whether. So, if Omar, if you're the author, and Justin's a reviewer, Justin, you say, "No, I'm not going to accept this." And Omar says, "No, this is objectively the best way to do it." (laughs) Would you guys, if you're implementing this code review process, would you rather force yourselves to come to a compromise or resolution, or would you want to have a third party? arbitrate third
2: party. i think this is
0: where the secondary like person
2: on the list would come in if if we both just can't come like if omar just hates the way i code and omar <laughs> and Omar's constantly wrong about it then we'll just tell somebody else that have somebody else tell omar how wrong he is about it and then it's fine
1: <laughs> your comment made me forget what i was gonna say
0: <laughs> okay oh, the question is would you rather force yourselves to come to a solution or a compromise or arbitrate um, I would say two things to this. The, the first one would be
1: uh, my my note or comment before this was the give him a suggestions. So it, it, if I don't like Justin's coding or whatever, I think he should do it a different way. I would say it in the form of a suggestion. And then that wouldn't actually fail the code review. It would just be a suggestion. Then Justin can take that and be like, Nah, I think Omar's crazy. I'm not going to do that, or be like <laughs> more likely, right. yeah, or right. he'd uh, actually uh, change it and actually uh, check it in that way.
0: So in your scenario, Justin still has the authority to merge his code. Yes, after. that's
1: that. That's that freedom I'm talking about. It's I think okay. he has the the freedom to choose whether or not to do it, unless it's in the coding standard, and I can specifically point to like a rule saying like you're breaking this rule or and that's why I said the rules and the coding standards shouldn't be opinionated, and they shouldn't have subjective language in it, so that you don't come across these problems. And then the second thing on this is, um, I think if you are coming up, coming with, or coming to a disagreement with someone, you should take two steps back and think like, why am I coming to the disagreement? There's something. There must be something. Or maybe not there must be something wrong, but maybe take two looks at your code and be like, does the other person have have um,
0: a good reason to to change this?
1: I know So will like, t- uh, be open-minded about it, basically. That's what I was trying to say.
0: I know I'll turn down some advice, or it may appear that I turn down advice when I'm not confident. In what this other person's suggesting, like, okay, I understand those words, but I don't know what the alternative actually is, so I'm just gonna kind of sit on my hands for a while.
2: Yeah, I feel like giving the person the person who's being reviewed. I feel like they should almost not ever have the final say. I mean, I, I get they wrote the code; that's that's fine, but if they if they and their reviewer disagree it shouldn't still be to their prerogative to go ahead and check it in anyways. I, I feel like you should definitely find someone else who would just be the tiebreaker. And if that person sides with the person being reviewed, okay, but they should never be able to just shake off what was suggested to them and say, nah, I still like the way I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, again, I got two more, two comments on this one.
1: If it's something that's, big enough and happens often like maybe the first time let it slide second time say is this some kind of coding standard that we could put up and like maybe amend it to our coding standard so that I can point to an actual rule and that would be something you bring up to like a meeting or something to get added to the coding standard and I I would try to avoid like getting a third party in this just because that's that's wasting other people's time like to. To pull in another person and i I think um, and then my my second point to this is this might be where having two code reviewers on on every code review is a good thing to do I feel like, like I maybe have a, a fresh set of eyes that just look at it without hearing what the first code reviewer said like just say, hey go code review this but not tell them what you saw wrong with the code. Just have them look at it. And if they find something else and don't even see what you saw, I think that kind of says, yeah. You don't want to bias them, basically. (laughs)
0: I guess you'd want to make sure you don't have a super type A personality doing code review. Like, oh, I wouldn't do what Omar is doing in that way, so I'm going to say no. So I guess making sure that the reviewer does give people freedom. So not just the organization giving your developers freedom, but the actual individual reviewers giving the developers freedom.
1: Yeah. For an organization or developers that have never done code review, it's going to take some practice. Like It's it's going to happen. Inevitably, people are going to try to force their coding style or their opinion on developers. And I think that's where that freedom comes into play. Um, but I think as it evolves and then you, you start to find, like, that's something that we could add to the coding standard or... Um, Once you see, like, say you have two code reviews on a piece of code and you see that the other other reviewer didn't see what you saw, maybe you start to think, start to think twice about that. Be like, is that a stylistic thing that I was commenting on or was that or is the other person just missing what I'm looking at or missing what I'm seeing? So I think the process just evolves as we go.
2: Makes sense. Oh
1: uh, yeah, that, I actually have a list of things to to avoid, and one of the first one was don't get emotional. <laughs> uh, don't get emotional with your code reviews. Uh, don't focus blame. So don't. On the
0: checklist, the very first item.
1: Don't get emotional. Yeah,
0: yeah as the reviewer, just remind yourself.
1: Don't get emotional. Yeah. It's important to have on the checklist. And the next one is uh, don't focus blame. So don't try to like blame the person, or don't don't even think about the author. Just focus on the actual code that you're looking at. Um, don't redesign the code. <laughs> so like, if you see code and you'd rather space some code out or organize the code differently, say you're looking at a function. It was just one function that they added. Don't don't try to reorganize the way the, the function's laid out unless it's fundamentally wrong or fundamentally have some problem or you can nothing's gonna go wrong with it. Or it's open to prone to errors or bugs. Um, Kind of goes along with the, the or along the same line as don't force your opinion on other people, but don't judge how you would have done it. So don't don't try to say, "I would have done it this way." You're more there to say, um, I, "I would suggest using this design pattern," or you're missing a, a null check here. So don't try to say what you would have done in that situation. Really. I think that's all I have on the avoiding one thing still void.
0: So on your second item, you'd said don't like rewrite the code or don't change what it, what was your second item? Don't focus blame. The third one.
1: Don't redesign the code. That one. So okay.
0: are you suggesting that the reviewer would actually go modify the code?
1: Oh no, no, no. I'm saying like their suggestions are are so they're suggesting so much that it's basically redesigning the code. Okay. Like they're saying, uh, I can't think of an example and talk about it because to to talk about a a good example, there'd be a lot of different things you could, you would have to change.
0: So don't push a file to the player, pull the file like that's, does the same thing, but you're fundamentally changing how it works. More no, like that's if, that's not redesigning. More
2: like if you used, oh man, you use some kind of array to hold some values here, and like I don't even to I, I see why it's a tif- difficult thing to describe, but essentially, yeah, it's kind of like a visual thing you have to yeah. do. Like you would have to.
1: It's like kind of like changing the layout of of say you you have this function and you initialize the variable equal to null, and then later on you new up an object and assign it to that variable. You don't want to suggest like, hey, new it up up here, and, and um, I, I don't know, you don't want to change the way, just change the way it looks without actually adding value or I see what you're saying now. making
2: a suggestion
1: that is going to actually improve the code.
2: Because if you, if so you get like, into like this, I, I would have done, yeah. Like that would be a big snowball effect. Because like, oh, I would have made a change here. Well, you know what? I actually would have done this over here. And then by yeah. the end, you've you know you're rewriting the entire functionality just because right. you you would have done it differently.
1: Right. And there's cases where you would want to like suggest those types of changes. Like the example I threw out, where you have a variable initialized at the top to null, and then you new up an object later on. Um, say maybe in some the, the function you're looking at um if you don't new it up at the top the caller of the function is expecting a non-null object and so if there's a possibility for exception before you knew it up then there's a possibility for that uh, that object to get returned as null so hopefully you followed that like that's hard to explain without giving you a visual of it but that type of suggestion would be good versus just suggesting, suggesting that without having a valid reason for it. Like just saying it looks better that way, or I would have done it this way. So basically have a backup while you're suggesting something, make sure you're actually, that's probably a better way. Yeah. That's probably a better way to put it back up. What you're suggesting
2: have valid, um, don't find valid reasons don't exist yeah yeah I'll fix what ain't broke
1: Exactly. yeah and just another thing I'll, I'll reiterate because it, it came up at the bottom of my uh, notes is to keep in mind that code review isn't just uh, a senior team member reviewing junior team members making sure they don't introduce bad code it's all developers reviewing all developers no matter what stage they are so junior developers reviewing senior developers and senior developers reviewing junior and senior reviewing senior etc
2: i could see a reason not to ever let juniors review seniors why is that that, only case I, i i mean depending how junior you are I mean, if you, do you consider Junior, like, not somebody who's new? Or Junior is well, anybody?
1: Have, take, in. for example, someone straight out of college that's
2: never been in a real world. Yeah, I wouldn't want someone job. like that. I wouldn't want someone like that reviewing senior code, especially for a, for a lot of reasons. I can see how it'd be beneficial to them to look at it.
0: Well, if you have two reviewers for each check-in yeah. or merge, then one of them could be a junior, and then make sure you have a more senior on as the other reviewer. That's fine. But never solely the you know the
2: new hire because they're not going to be as familiar. It may not be a season, so they might there may not there may be errors right in front of their face that they don't even they don't recognize because they're so not used to looking at it. Like I can see a lot of reasons why the greener they are, that, you know, they're not they're not, they're not I may mean, I don't want to say they're not doing any good, but they could be doing. There could be people doing a, a better job with the amount of time taken to do the review.
1: Yeah, I think so. One of the lists like that were kind of a checklist of uh, code review things or items of code review left this off and said, have someone qualified review the code?
2: There you go.
1: Where... I kind of I feel like that gives a takes away one of the benefits of code review. Like I think you want junior developers looking at senior developers' code, but I guess they'll be adding it. adding on a, a senior like having two code reviews I guess solves that
2: problem. I mean they'll be in the, they're still in the code base right? If I still have if I still someone straight out of college and I tell them to go write some
1: yeah, but if you, you know, if you aren't actively set as a reviewer and you see a commit, I mean, you could possibly see multiple commits per day. You're not going to go look at every single one. I mean, sometimes they just look like noise unless you're specifically called out and said, and say, review this code. You're not really going to go look at it. Okay. Um,
2: I would put, like, some kind of, it could be arbitrary, but, you know, six months, nine months, you know, you have to have been in, in the system working on the software for at least some amount of time to qualify as a reviewer.
1: Yeah. I guess a good way to put it would be have at least one. Um,
2: what was the word we used? <laughs> Qualified reviewer on yeah. the review? Sure. Or one qualified reviewer to actually push it through. And then yeah. somebody could, you know. You could have somebody who's new on every review. That way, they're constantly getting exposed to it. They may not, they may not be happy, but yeah.
1: One was. of the questions I had was, how do you come up with reviewers? Like, how do you pick who's going to review my code? I guess we just have a random name generator or something. Roll a dice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you have you don't want to like
2: so you have a, re- a recurring list, and every time it checks off, that you know, you just who's next on the list? Okay, it's that person. Yeah, you don't want to have like. Developers choose because then they're gonna. There's probably
1: gonna be one developer that's easier on everyone else that just like lets everything go by, so they're just gonna continually send stuff to them versus you know, Kevin. someone that actually looks and gives suggestions and they're like, No, nah, I don't want to send my code to them. <laughs> yeah, does anyone have anything else in their notes or they want to talk about?
2: My notes were fairly short on this topic.
1: Yeah, mine were just a bunch of
0: questions, and I think we covered a lot of them in just talking about it. So I, I guess I have a question for you guys. What is, if you're not already, what, what would be preventing you from doing code review on your next check-in?
2: Nothing. I did code review on Omar's check-in today just for S's and G's. Yeah, my okay. code
0: was perfect. so. <laughs> Omar, did you ask him, or did Justin you just offer?
2: Oh no, he asked me. Oh, yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna waste my time. He doesn't want me to do it. Come on. <laughs> now. Okay. I actually, actually, um, so I have notifications set
1: up on TFS for every single check-in to the to the God code was, base. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have it filtering to its own specific folder, so if I don't want to be annoyed by it, I won't see it. But I, I still go to go there and like look and like if it's a like Android or the VCE project, I actually go and do a high-level look at it, and then if it interests me, I actually go and look at the chain set and look at all the files and diffs and everything. And actually, last week, uh, Tim did a, a check-in, and it was like three lines, and it was just a little try-catch, try-catch around something to make sure... I know what that one is. Yeah, and and basically, he... Whenever he put that try catch, he had he copied a variable or something, some kind of copy paste error, basically, and he was incrementing a variable twice. Oh, I don't know that one, man. And I just like sent him an email real quick and it was just like, "Hey, you're incrementing a variable twice in this check in." He was like, "Oh, cool, thanks." So there you go, saved like what couple hours of testing yeah. and probably saved a whole day or two of testing because you know the how quickly we get test builds out. It's kind of long. He was able to fix that before they did a test build.
0: I kind of did that with one of Siva's check-ins a long time ago. So Joe had added a method, and then outside the method, there's a, a variable that holds a value. And then Siva had added a second method, and he was using the same variable to hold a value for that method. And I would have never caught that bug in that two methods are using the same value, but they're doing completely different things. The only way I caught that was by looking at its change set.
1: Yeah. So I think same in my instance, like I don't think it would have caused any errors or bugs that you would have caught in QA compilation went through fine. I mean, code was perfectly fine. It's just the count would have been twice as much or however many times more than it should have been. And, um, I don't know where that value was being used, but say that value was re- reused somewhere else or used further down the line in the code, it could have caused other bugs. And...
0: Yeah. Imagine all those little breaks that are in the code base now that were never caught and we're never going to catch them.
2: No. Depending on which project you're talking about. <laughs> on legacy code, I think uh, the bubble gum and the duct tape is what holds it together. So... Yep, that little, that little guy, don't worry about that little guy. <laughs>